Hello everyone and welcome to Inspiring African Travel. I'm Julia and together with my husband James and our great friend Stuart, this podcast will bring you inspiring interviews from people in travel. We want you to meet the locals with uplifting stories. Stories of female empowerment, conservation heroes, guide adventures, and other amazing people who live and work in tourism in Africa. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the journey with inspiring African travel. Thanks for listening, and welcome to our very first series, Women in Travel. In this series, we'll bring you seven episodes sharing the stories from inspiring women, women who have broken down gender barriers in tourism in Africa. We hope you'll be inspired by our very first podcast series. Enjoy. Today's interview is with Mpo Karamang from TSL College in Botswana. Mpo is a woman in travel with a natural gift for what she does. After starting as an apprentice lodge manager in the Okavango Delta, she quickly realized her passion lies in training. Mpo spent many years developing the skills of local citizens to help them advance their careers in tourism. And in this episode, she shares some great stories in her experience getting to where she is today. Here is James again. Julia is missing in action, so I'm feeling a little bit lost and lonely. But nevertheless, we're actually at my office again. So there's every possibility that someone might come barging into our so-called studio and uh, request something because things are actually getting a little bit busier now, uh, which is a positive sign post-COVID. I'm here today with Mpo Keremang. Mpo and I have known each other for quite a few years, and I'm really excited to talk to her today because she's going to bring in a different angle for our series, Women in Travel. Mpo, although she comes from a camp and lodge management background is currently involved in training for the tourism industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome you, Mpo. Thank you very much for coming into our humble studio. Thank you for having me. Mpo, you've you've been working in the training department for tourism for quite a number of years, but maybe you can take us on a step back. Tell me about your little bit about your earlier life, where you're from, where you grew up and how you ended up coming in tourism? I'm a native Botswana, I'll say. Born in Francistown, but raised in Zorroja, just a village that's right outside Gweta. We are the Makarikari people, I'll say. <laughs> I only know Zorroja because we had to go via there when the floods were over the Makarikari. Yes, we had to go through that yes. village. That's the village that was famous for the flood. I think that's how we get really to be known <laughs> throughout the country. So nowadays we describe ourselves as flood people. <laughs> so that's where I'm, I'm, I, I was raised and that's where my... my my family still stays. So it's pretty much like in the middle of the salt pans, isn't it? It is. It is right in the middle of the salt pans. I'll say it's really a, just a small oasis in the middle of the salt pans because 
that's the only area you get really good to see things like the lead hole trees a lot of palm trees everywhere around the village every time when there's a lot of dust coming from the pens it will go right through into the village so that's where i even went to school part of my schooling i did it there i did courses after school i did hospitality and tourism operations at the time there was no not a lot of people were qualified in the tourism field so what we would do we would go through the trainings and after that we have to go for attachment in different places i remember in our class we were only about 16 and we were posted in different com uh, companies and we happened to be posted in desert and doubt and we we're the first trainees to be taken from an institution to go and work in the bush at the time i think i was 20 and uh, it was a great experience and a, a, a great environment but just to start with you having to fly in getting to an aeroplane that was an experience first time, in, first an time in, in an aeroplane so you were 20 years old i was 20 years just old. just a little bit of an idea of the yeah. tourism industry yeah just from the flight itself i was very nervous nervous i, I wasn't I wasn't really sure of what to expect of where we were going. But I mean, the first camp that I went to was Camp Moremi. And the first week when I was there, there were some lions in camp. I mean, like we had to be taken around with cars to get from the kitchen to go to the uh, to the staff quarters and come the next morning. If you had wanted to go and have a shower, you had to have somebody to walk with you. I mean, to me, it was like there was animals everywhere. You were always on the lookout of something, buffaloes going through camp and all that. And you, you never know what you could find. And we were always advised, you will not walk out away or maybe get, go from the main building to go to the staff quarters alone. You had to be working with somebody. Staying in that kind of environment, to me, it was really exciting. You really didn't have to go far to see a lion. It will come to you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what the, what, what the excitement was. And we really had the opportunity where from most of the from time to time, if we were not busy, if maybe we'd not have guests in camp, we'll be given the car to be able to go out and see the areas where the guests would normally go to see the, a lot of the animals. And we saw pretty much a lot of things. We got there, you know, like you, you get in this area, it's like in the middle of nowhere. And there's no cell phone signal, nothing. And at the time, that's the, the safaris how they were. Yeah, no Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi during those days. If you are there, you are there. The only thing where if you wanted to take information out, you had to write a letter. Mm. Well, some, some will believe that's the way it should be because, mm. you know, being out there in the bush for travelers from all over the world, it's like a detox out there. Exactly, hey? yeah. So nice. Mm. Mm. So cool. And fast forward a little bit, your attachment went well. And, you know, I understand you were given an opportunity to be an assistant manager. When I, when I came in um, at the time, I mean, like I, I was, I, I've always been a very passionate and enthusiastic pe person. And I went through the training of doing the whole department. If I was working in a different department, I'll, if I, we had to knock off at five, I would request that at least maybe I can come and help out in the kitchen or help out with the waiters after we have knocked off. I think that's the passion that sparked um, the, the, the inspiration there. Even the managers, they were impressed with my performance because Somebody would think that when I knock off at five, I have to go and rest. The managers at the time, they realized that like I had that passion and they just made a recommendation letter to say, if I, when I finish school, if I want to, they would like to come and work with me. Yeah. So I came in now to become a trainee manager and I was working under them. That's amazing. Yes. Earlier on in the series, we interviewed a lady called Horata, mm -hmm. who 
um, also started at a very young age yeah. and she was quickly elevated into management yes. and she said the exact same thing um, her passion and energy yes. in working and willing to work in all departments and do whatever was required is what was picked up initially and now that you're involved in the tourism training part of the thing it must yes. be a big part of how you train young starters in the tourism industry it, what it, to do to succeed maybe it's maybe it's going a little bit backwards when i was still within uh, i did i became a training manager and then i after that i was an assistant manager i i started bringing in the elements of what we had learned in school to be part of the things that we could do in the company so at the time our hr manager said like whatever suggestions that you have maybe you can be able to do with just the room checking lid for the for housekeeping that's what how i started mm. so i drew up that uh, checklist we didn't have printers or any computers in in camp at the time and it was printed and circulated around the camps and the next part i was really enthusiastic about like maybe hygiene and stuff and i told uh, the hr I, i would like to do training maybe for all our chefs so because we could not get everybody to come together they decided i'll move within uh, around the camps and spend seven days in each camp going around doing training. That's where really the, the passion of training started to grow and say, you know what, I think I can do this for a living. You were one of few local citizen management team. Um, all, the, all the main lead managers were expatriates. I would say we started off with um, being assistant managers. And at the time, I'll say most of the management that we had as experts at the time they were really willing to help us to really learn what has to be done to keep the camp running properly. And I'll say we really learned from the best because it did not take a long time for me again to be recognized to become a relief manager. A, a lot of training was done, I'll say like maybe like in-house, like with just within the office, you'll be shown on what how to do all the different paperwork that had to be done. And um, that helped us a lot to be able to grow into positions of, of management. That's when after that I became a relief manager. And then I started being given camps to be able to run on my own. Why do you feel it is important to have more local citizens in management? To me, I think when you have a guest who is out there who wants to come to your country, they really want to know see the country itself where they are coming to be able to get to learn about the country from the native people that are there and when you have somebody who is a, a, in management position who is, a, who is a who is a citizen they can easily explain themselves if there is a question they can be able to answer questions right there at the same time again they can be able to to, to give the right information if there is any information that has to be given they can even be able to teach guess about what the country is really about. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that I think is very important. Mm. The other thing that I realized that like for, for us, for instance, in Botswana, I think hospitality seems like as if it's like a natural thing to do. And if you really experience um, the, 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 the hospitality of an, in an African home, in our, in our homes, yeah. if you come as a visitor, you come and say, I'm lost, I don't know where I'm going. We make sure that like, we give you a clean room We'll make sure that like we give you a meal. We'll, we'll, we'll go to the limit, to the extent of making sure that like, if you are lost, you don't know where you are going. We'll try by all means to help you to know where you are supposed to go. Even if it means like we send you out with somebody, we'll do that. That culture 
of, of, of doing things. If we take it now, we translate it into the hospitality setting of maybe into the lodges, it's almost the same. Mm. Yes. If I think about other holidays and, and that I've done around the world, mm. I don't normally have this experience where I sit with the staff and have meals. This is quite a unique thing for us, right? It is. If you're coming on holiday to Botswana, it's really important that you are, if you are sitting with staff, managers and guides, that they come from the country. Yes. Because that you, then you get that wholesome experience of the place. If we were to take you, for instance, as if you, are, you come as a guest and we take you to, like for instance, we take you to the village, to Zoraha, where I come from, we want you to go and meet the chief. For instance, so it, 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 the chief has to know there is a visitor in the village. It's something that like comes very naturally to us. You know, everybody would like to know, oh, who is that? Where is he coming from? Does he need help? People will be really interested or knowing who you are. When our guests now, like when you have a guest who comes into the lodges, it's still very important that like they come in now and they feel like it's part of the family. For me, I feel that it makes the, 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 the tourism to be warm when we do it that way. You, you leave feeling like, you know what, I, I've been, it's like I've been to a place that I know. It's it mm. like I've been to a place, I've stayed with people that I don't know because they want to be a part of you. They like to know where you're coming from. They like to know what they can be able to do to make your, your, your experience be better. I remember there was a time we had this uh, guest and he thought I was a bushman because I'm, I'm a little bit light-skinned and he thought I was a bushman. So, I mean, to him, he, I was the only person he wanted to talk to and <laughs> whatever help that he needed, he wanted me to like uh, to be there to, to, to help him because he like, I never thought the bushman could be educated. I mean, my, the village where I come from, the majority of the population, I'm Kalanka, the majority of the population is, 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 is the bushman. So, Coming from that village, even when I told him, he said, no, I, I, I saw in my, where I read in a book that this village, only Bushman people come from. That time while I just said yes, because I couldn't really convince him. I was not a Hey, listen, you may be happy, sure you've got no Bushman blood in your heritage. I really need to check on that. <laughs> you never know. You never know, yes. One of the things I find quite interesting in the camps and lodges is that sometimes when people arrive, they're not used to this warm openness about our culture and the hospitality we provide. And later on in the trip, they get a little bit more relaxed. I always try and tell travelers, feel free, talk to the, to the staff, talk to the managers, ask them questions, because that is how you're going to learn about the culture the here and the way of life. They would like to know more about you, like to know more about them. To me, I always found that like it was a way of getting to, to even learn about their countries. I mean, I remember the first time I heard there was a country called Luxembourg. It was when I was working in the lodges. I didn't even know that country existed. So it was from all those interactions that we're having with guests that I get to know that there's all those countries there, that these, there are countries called the Netherlands. That's when I really got to know exactly the world. For me to get to know about other country really came from just the talking to the guests just like that. The openness, I think it helps you. Uh, uh, to get to learn about them as well as for them to be able to learn about your country. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Because people, they come to Botswana because it's a wildlife destination, mm. but they come away with making a real close contact and 
they end up building a lot of really long-time friendships yes. from all the staff and the management they meet along the way, isn't it? It is a very good thing. I, I mean, I still have guests that I still talk to, that I met when I was still working in the lodges. I mean, we're still friends to this day. Back to your career. When did you become a full-time camp manager? I think that was in 2009, around about October. And I, I, at the time I came and I managed the roller town. Uh, for uh, about two years and then I went back into uh, the Delta and after that I, I had an opportunity, another opportunity to go and further my career and my studies I decided oh let me take that opportunity go out there study because I really wanted to go now onto the training part I realized that like at the time a lot of people that we were working with in the lodges they had never gone to school or they have never done any training or anything that can be really be able to improve their skills. So I, I decided to to quit the job of maybe like lodge management now coming to town and now start uh, working with it at another company to be able to like uh, go into training. Okay, so tell me um, now in your role focusing on um, training for the hospitality sector. Mm-hmm. Explain a little about about what you do and how it works. Yes. What, what, what I do um, currently, I'm, I'm, I'm doing training, but what, the way it works, for you to be able to have training, you have to be registered with the, 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 it's the Botswana Qualification Authority. It's the governing body for all institutions across, across the country. So what we do, there are two, uh, kind of, I would say two departments that we run. We have the college side, where now we have students who are like freshmen from school, maybe from their high school, who enroll with us, who can be able to be trained in various uh, fields of hospitality. At the same time, we have the consultancy part, where now uh, we can be able to go into the lodges and be able to do in-house trainings for different departments. The the, the training that we do is more of a, a skills-based and service training. There's a lot of trends that do come in the hospitality industry. I would say everywhere, things always change from time to time. But you find that like there might not be people in the ground who are skilled enough for them to be able to do this kind of trainings. Um, so the government has what we call a, a training levy that comes from the uh, tor- uh, tourist operators. I mean, like every every company pays the training levy. So what we do is we do train so that like the companies can be able to utilize the training levy to be able to upskill their staff. I, I'll say Desert Delta is one of the companies that they do trainings almost every year or even after every two years because it's good to always have to give people refresher courses so that like the way they do their service it can always be sharp so give an example of some of these courses or trainings that you're doing what are you covering i'll, I'll take for instance uh, the food and beverage course uh, food and beverage service course we are basically training waiters from the professional uh, attributes of, 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 of a waiter, some of the, the stuff that we have, they'll be coming from a village. And maybe they, they just happened to uh, to have been applying and they were given a job maybe as a groundsman. And now they, they are now interested in really knowing what's happening around the lodge. So when we come in, we'll be able to find people like that who have never done any trainings at all. So we we'll train like the waiters, we we'll train them from the equipment, just teaching them for this is a soup spoon, this is a a joint for who train them on the different equipment, how they're supposed to be cleaned, how are they supposed to be laid on the table, the service procedures, who train them on the different kinds of maybe drinks that we have. 
I remember when I, when I went in, into the lodges at the time, we were not really trained that much on the beverage side. A guest asked me to bring them a beer. I went and I brought a cider, you know, a hunter's gold. <laughs> so we train now the young people on these different things. I, I, I did not know anything about wines until I went and worked in the lodges. At the end of every training, we do give out certificates which are now recognized around the country to say, okay, fine, this person has been trained by TSL. In that way, the, anywhere they go, they know that like this is an accredited institution. So our, our trainings are not only recognized only to say, okay, fine, within the company, but they can be able to take them even outside uh, 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 the companies that they work in. Mm. Yeah. We spoke earlier about local citizens in senior positions of management in the tourism industry. Yeah. You told me it's it's nice, it's important because you can impart cultural mm -hmm. experience and it's nice hospitality. Mm -hmm. Tell me why it's important to have more women managers and women in senior roles throughout tourism. A lot of women sometimes you find that like they're single mothers. Sometimes they might be like maybe heads of their own families and all that. And to have women who can be able to go to that positions, it will really help them to support their families. And you know, like in African culture, you will support from your kids to everybody else within the home and all that, and relatives and all that. And women, you know, we naturally we have this nurturing spirit. I, I, I take it that like to have women, most of them in senior positions, it will really help them for them to be able to support their communities because I mean, if you have your family and your relatives, that's almost the whole community that you are supporting already. It it really do help in terms of support. I mean, that's something that I've like we have re recently um, realized. We have a lot of students right now who are being self-sponsored by their mothers, their aunts who have been working in the tourism industry. Uh, to us, I think as as women, we we really have the role where we can really be able to help our young people to be able to go up because we already naturally have that natural spirit as I was saying. A lot of women in senior positions will really help them to be able to support their families and communities as well. But why aren't men doing that? Why aren't men doing the exact sort of thing that you talk about now with regards to and putting money into the rest of their families to boost it like women are? When you Speak freely, yeah, because yes. I know I'm a man. When, when, <laughs> men, when it comes to like money, sometimes I, I think they really don't sit down and really plan very well for their for their money. The money can sometimes be spent on things that are really not worthwhile. They will not really distribute their money or sit down to budget for their money the way to say, okay, fine, that's how I'm gonna spend their money. It can just be misused. For us women, every cent that you have, you sit down and you, you really start to see what can I do with this and this and this and this. When I started first working in um, sales, so when I was a travel agent mm. in the UK, I was the only man with uh, six ladies <laughs> selling trips. Okay. <laughs> and I uh, asked myself, am I in the, something, right. <laughs> something wrong? And um, well, nothing was wrong really, mm. but it, it, you know, Travel agent sales is something that is definitely a female-dominated industry. Yes. Purely because, first of all, you need to be a very compassionate, good listener. Yes. 
because you've got to understand somebody, where do they want to travel, where do they want to go, mm. and you have to have a lot of attention to detail. Exactly. And be organized. And women are far better than that as men. Mm. So what you said is exactly right. Mm. You find that like women, we have a that dead eye into everything. I mean, we look as women, when we come into the house, we can see from the ceiling to this in one minute. I'll say if we can empower a lot of our women, women to know how to give proper service, how to, to, to show the kindness, the courtesy, it will really boost our tourism even more. Do we have enough women in, in senior positions in travel? If we don't, what have we got to do more? How do we change this? We really don't have a lot of women in, 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 the, in the tourism industry. And I, I think it's because when it all started, it was like all men have to go and work in the bush and people thought it was um, uh, they were, it was dangerous and all those kind of things. And the women stay home and look the after the family. Stay, yes, and mm. look after the family and the fields and stuff. It, it's important for the young people to be educated, to really know, to say, this is a job that you can also do. But then uh, answer me this question because it is a bit of a, it, it's always a concern of mine because I think of a lot of the mothers that are working in these camps and lodges and our tourism industry is a different from other people around the world mm -hmm. in that when you go and work at a camp and lodge in the middle of the Okavango Delta, mm -hmm. there's a good chance that you'll be away from your family for three months. Three months, yeah. And that's, that's difficult for a mother, right? It is difficult, but what really helps, I think, is the, the African community, the way the way the setup that we have, especially in Botswana, where you find that like your aunties and your mother and your other relatives, they can help take care of your children. And for some for some reason, I realized that like sometimes they can, your relatives, they can even do a better job than you can you can. And I think that's what makes it to be easier because we have that family support where like you, your relatives can help with taking care of your children. I mean, even now, I, I have a, 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 a small uh, boy. and But I think I, I had to go on a safari trip to do training when he was still very young. My mother was there to take care of him and I, I was not worried. And I came back and he was looking better than <laughs> when, he, when I was there. Hey, listen, where, yes. when does a young mother learn all of her skills from? From, from her mother, mother. Exactly, yes. A guest was saying to me, how do you do that? I was like, no, it's, it's fine. I'm she's with my mother. And the thing is, as long as you know that the child is healthy, you, you really don't have to worry about anything. And I realized that like, for, for us in our African culture, it is a way for kids for them to learn different skill sets different uh, things about culture especially as now growing in the modern like when the country becoming modernized and all that we are growing more in a kind of a civilized environment our mothers are still in the rural areas if we want to teach our children about our culture the only way we can, way to do that is to take them back to our parents to me i really don't think it's, it's much of it there is not a problem at all give me a quick idea of yeah your vision like what are your ambitions to what are your next challenges and what are your yes. next ambitions for what you're doing and what you can bring to travel here in Botswana yes um my my next ambition mostly looking onto the travel part of things i've come i've realized that just like the the, the light running of lodges it is at first it was all done mostly by expatriates i've realized that a lot of 
like right now, a lot of all the, the, the marketing, the traveling, most of the time is done by as factory. There's TSL, I'll say maybe like by, by people from outside. As TSL right now, what we really want to do is now to get to uh, see what we can do to be able to teach our young people in terms of uh, marketing, travel agency and all that. I always think they will be able to share more about the country. I think on its own, it can even help the, the companies that are doing business to say, we are doing tourism in this country. These are the people that we are working with. In that way, to help even the guests to see the people before they can even come to the country. Mm. So that, that's one thing as TSR that like we are really passionate about going now onto the travel part and be able to see how we can be able to educate our young people on mm. that side of, 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 of doing tourism. Mm. Yes. I agree. I think I've already even seen, and I've only been living in Botswana for nine years. Mm. And when I first started going to the travel shows and going as marketing, yes. uh, I've seen every year more and more um, Botswana mm. out there yes. marketing. Mm. And it's growing. Yes. But I think we can definitely implement a bigger skill set exactly. in, in enhancing that and take it. And it will come. It will come. As you see, it takes mm. time for, for that to infuse. Yes. And once you start to see more Botswana and local citizens throughout Zimbabwe, everywhere, mm. in the marketing position, yeah. so it empowers. And so, as you see with management. Yes. When you were the, one of the first few, yes, very quickly it changed, it changed right? Changed us like that, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Thanks, Mpo. Thank you so much. It was a very nice chat. I learned a lot. You have a tre tremendous amount of energy. Over the years, you you must have trained hundreds and hundreds of people in our industry from all different companies. From 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 every from a lot of companies. Sometimes you know, I've I've come to a point when somebody get excited and they greet me i just smile sometimes i don't even know who they are exactly but the one thing that really keeps me going i think is even the passion that is in the people when people want to learn more i always have the energy to do more. i think that that's where the whole thing comes from yes we hope you enjoyed this episode and if you know any women out there who would like to share their story please do get in touch by visiting our website on inspiringafricantravel.com and submitting your details in the Contact Us section. In the meantime, please keep in touch. You can find Inspiring African Travel on all social media platforms. And don't forget to subscribe and share.